This episode is based on a blog I wrote about sneaky disempowerments and seven steps to avoid it. So I'll be talking about what we can do to help ourselves stay at our best. So here we go. Episode 62, Empowerment. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Now, empowerment is something that I talk about a lot with respect to my teaching. If you've been listening to these episodes, you've heard that word come up a lot. So I love to look up words in the dictionary and get the actual definition. And the definitions for empowerment were the authority or power given to someone to do something. And it's also another definition was the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. So that's what I really try to do as a teacher. I want to give you, my students, the power to do something, to be to become stronger and more confident in your life and your horsemanship journey. And it's what I try to do for myself. So since I talk a lot about it, I thought it would be worth diving into the subject a little deeper here on this podcast. So ever since I can remember, I've been playing the empowerment game in one way or another, whether it's through writing stories or illustrating things, you know, teaching, training, these are all ways that I've used to empower others to understand something or see something or feel or do something that they weren't able to do a moment earlier. And my goal as a teacher is always to teach in a way that my students will no longer need me, that they're not teacher dependent, but they, they actually build their confidence in what they're doing. Now, this uh, obsession with empowerment uh, has brought me to some really interesting places in life. You know, it's been part of this quest of knowing myself and going on a journey of personal development. And that has, I have found myself walking across hot coals, walking across broken glass, <laughs> sitting with a shaman on top of the Pyramid of the Sun in Mexico. I have screamed my darkest fears at the top of my lungs in a room full of 5,000 people. <laughs> and I have traveled in silence by myself to many parts of the world. And all of these situations have led to really profound experiences and breakthroughs. They've had profound experience, you know, effects on my life and, you know, at the same time that, you know, that I'm saying these are big, profound experiences, the realizations that I've made along the way in these processes are usually about something very small. And often 
It's about something that I actually knew the whole time. And that brings me to one of my favorite, favorite quotes in the whole world. And it's a a line from uh, T.S. Eliot. And he writes, We shall not cease from exploration. And at the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. So this is one of the first paradoxes of empowerment. Big, profound experiences that create big, profound changes. Yet, whenever I've gone through that process, it usually feels like I knew it the whole time. And the experience just helped me have the confidence to actually act on it. And so what I've learned (laughs) is that with myself and with my students and other people, empowerment breakthroughs aren't really about puffing yourself up. They're actually about allowing yourself to be exactly the size that you are and loving yourself there. That's the paradox. It's about vulnerability and not dominance. It's about reality, not positivity. It's about humbleness. It's not about being better than anyone else. It's also not about self-deprecation or diminishing yourself in front of other people either. So this is, I love paradoxes. Whenever I meet a paradox, I, I'm attracted to paradoxes, I guess, because, you know, if the early bird gets the worm and good things come to those who wait, it's like, wait a minute, those, that's a paradox. Go in there. So I think life's most valuable lessons are wrapped in paradoxes. So, so how do I, how do I reconcile this idea of humbleness with Um, with not being less than? And how do you reconcile being empowered, yet not being greater than? So here's where we get a little philosophical. Because for me, this empowerment is, it's about embracing the emptiness that I am. That's another paradox. I'm so powerful that I'm nothing. (laughs) You know, and so if you look at on an atomic level, any of those of you who look into, you know, science and physics, on an atomic level, we are all mostly empty space. And what I think makes me powerful is my ability to It's a couple things. It's to allow experience to pass through me. So I feel empowered when I'm not blocked, when I'm not shutting down, when I'm not closing off. Because I'm powerful in the vulnerability. And so if you can sort of um, imagine the emptiness of yourself, and here's something kind of weird, fun to do. (laughs) You know, if you're walking... And you feel a breeze and you feel the breeze passing over your, your skin, passing over your body. Well, next time you feel that, can you picture 
that instead of that breeze hitting your body and moving around it, see if you can make that sensation of the breeze in your mind be the sensation of something passing absolutely through you because you are mostly empty space. And that's when I feel more connected and more, you know, more connected to the power of the whole universe because I am part of it. I'm not something stuck on top. I'm in it <laughs> and it's in me. And the other thing about that empty space is it's not really empty. What's in there? It's energy. That's where energy lives in that empty space. The energy is where the stuff isn't. <laughs> so the power is in that ability to radiate the energy. If we think we need to become powerful by closing doors or building walls or making a fortress around us so people can't get to us to knock us down, then maybe we're protecting ourselves from mean people or mean thoughts but we're also preventing life from moving through us and we're preventing our own energy and light from radiating out. And, you know, there's this other quote, uh, I don't know the exact quote, so I'll have to like summarize it. But the idea is that we feel the sensation of love, not when someone loves us, but we feel the sensation of love through the act of loving. So, in the same way, the empowerment comes from us feeling the radiation of our own power. So again, paradox, we're, we can't wait for empowerment to be applied on us. We need to do it from the inside out. And when we radiate and when we're open, that's when we feel empowered. There's a great quote by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. He's the shaman I went to Mexico with, and he's the author of the Four Agreements. And he says, you're not nothing. You're not something. You're something else. So I love that quote. And it's okay to not know what that something else is. That's the mystery. And let's live in that open, I don't know. For me, that feels powerful. And I know sometimes that I don't know place, that empty place, that vulnerable place feels uh, scary. You know, especially if you've been um, hurt or if you've failed before and took it personally, you know, that, that it can feel unsafe to let down boundaries. But I think then that's the life's work to get back to this place. All right. Interesting, Karen. What does this have to do with horses? <laughs> well, horses want us to be our best. They They need us to be clear. I think so often... We humans become a jumble of disempowering, judgmental, contorted thoughts. And horses just want us to be. They want us to be okay with who we are so that we can be quiet. And we can be empty and we can feel them. And, you know, we want to learn to do stuff with our horses. So we need to get past our doubts and start living our dreams. And so a lot of a lot of what I do when I work with students and a lot of what I do in creating all my online content is not just going, hey, look at how great I do this and um, here's some steps to follow. But I try to always frame it in a way where 
I imagine that there's someone at the other end of that video going, no, really, I'm really looking into that. I'm really trying to figure out how do I do it. And the first step is to have them look at it and not go, oh, I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> but to look at it and go, I could do that. <laughs> so always want to present things in a way that gives that confidence. So I can do my part to deliver things in an empowering way because I know you can do it. But you guys have to do your part and show up in an empowering state where you aren't puffing yourself up and you're not putting yourself down. You just are happy being the empty you that you are. And that's what makes you belong even more. All right. So <laughs> very philosophical start to this podcast. So let's get into a little more practical. So I came up with seven steps towards empowerment and we'll just go through them. Step one, surround yourself with empowering words, images, circumstances. And this is really about kind of a jump start. With all the bad news out there, it's, it's a good idea to control what your eyes see when you wake up. And, you know, I used to, <laughs> I used to set my alarm when I, I lived in Manhattan once and I'm still commuting out to Long Island and I used to set my alarm to like an AM news station where like every 20 minutes they just cycle through the traffic, the weather, the the top stories. <laughs> and my idea was it would be so annoying that I would get up just because I didn't want to listen to that stuff anymore. So effective in getting me out of bed, but it would put me in a terrible frame of mind. And it took a while before I was like, oh, maybe I should put on like the smooth jazz station, <laughs> wake up with a little more gentle happiness. Uh, so we all need to jumpstart. We need, we can put in front of us words, images, quotes, whatever it is, so that when you look at it first thing in the morning, you're priming your brain. Right. And so Tony Robbins calls this priming. And so he'll take it one step for, further and have you do incantations and certain movements. I highly recommend that too. But don't underestimate the power of just taking a, a quote that's meaningful to you. It might be something, it might be your own quote. It doesn't have to be a fancy quote. You don't have to go buy, you know, one of those posters. Just something that's meaningful to you, a reminder to yourself. And get a sticky note or a piece of tape and just tape it to the mirror or wherever you go when you first wake up, your coffee machine <laughs> or your clock or your, put it a sticky note on your phone. So when you pick up your phone in the morning to turn off your alarm, you see the little whatever it is. And this is very surface. So this is not the final answer. And... <clears throat> You know, but it is, it's just a way to prime. It's a way to just start with like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and it's also going in subconsciously. So even if you don't find yourself actually reading it, you know, we can become numb to it. I have some things up there and sometimes I don't actually look at them, but I'm still seeing them. Your eyes are still bringing it in and your brain is seeing it, even if you don't think you're thinking about it. Now, 
since this is all about paradoxes, uh, just know that if you, you know, if you find yourself putting things like this absolutely everywhere and it's what you need just to get through the day, that is a red flag. Because I've seen people kind of, you know, I don't want to say overdo it because, you know, do it however you want, but I would check in. Remember I said that, you know, this empowerment, this emptiness, it's not about putting up walls to protect yourself. It's about being open and letting life pass through you. That's where your power comes from. And we don't want to have this fortress. And so I've seen people make a fortress for themselves of, you know, affirmation posters and, you know, everywhere you look, there's something going, no, you're really okay. <laughs> so, you know, let this help you, but be careful if it almost becomes like a blinders, you know, this is where it's not about positivity to a fault. It's a, you want to live in the real world. You don't want to be surrounding where you can't, you can't see uh, the things you can't see yourself for exactly who you are. You're just hiding behind. No, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I have an affirmation. I have a mantra. Um, so just watch out. There's always a way to overdo things. And this is good news. The most effective techniques with anything, um, they're effective, which means you can overdo it too. <laughs> so be careful not to use these posters or whatever it is that you're putting up as, as an armor. Because it, it'll imply that you need to defend yourself against something. And you really don't need to defend yourself against anything. Empowerment means embracing the strength inside vul vulnerability. All right. Step two. Be aware and change the language. Uh, Don Miguel, who wrote the four agreements, one of the agreements is be impeccable with your word and never speak against yourself or others. Sounds really nice. Well, it's really powerful. So you want to catch yourself, you know, starting with the obviously disempowering statements, you know, and if you want, if you can't think of any way to turn it into an empowered statement, just put yet <laughs> at the end of it. You know, I can't do that. Oh, caught myself yet. <laughs> it's going to feel hokey, you know, and changing the habit can be a challenge. So, you know, start with the easy stuff and just add yet to the end of it. It's a start. And then later you can start getting more nuanced about catching your language and change it. And this is something that I do with students in clinics all the time. I have a lot of dialogue with uh, my students when we're in the middle of a lesson because I not only want to see what they're doing, but I want to hear what they're thinking. And um, I'll give you a, just a quick example of how this shows up in a very simple way. It actually happened um, just this past weekend when I was presenting at Equitana and we were doing a lesson on you know playing with different energy levels. And I'll often say, okay, when your horse feels the best, just give it a number on a scale from one to 10, where 10 is going crazy and one is barely moving. And when your horse feels good, just call it a number. It's just a reference point. And often students have trouble with this. They, they're like, well, a six or maybe kind of a seven. And I'm like, no, pick one. <laughs> and, and often 
students have trouble just being so confident as to just pick a number. Even when it doesn't matter, it's not a dressage score. It's only a scale. It's only a scale according to them. It's just a reference point, you know, but just being able to notice the, the lack of empowerment to just pick that number, right? So catching yourself when you're wavering, when you don't want to say a committed statement about yourself and what you're doing, that's a, a little flag that says, hey, there's a, there's a disempowerment in there. So what's the difference between going, you know, me looking at a student going, what number? And then going, uh, I think, uh, I think it's a six and just going seven, six, five, I don't care. <laughs> you know, so that's a, a very readable moment of the difference between empowered and not empowered in a pretty benign situation. So these are the sorts of things we want to catch ourselves. Why aren't I committing to having this opinion? when even when it doesn't matter. So words, the words you use and um, how freely you can use them and how unafraid you are to make a statement, that can all go in this step. So um, listen to yourself and notice the words that you're actually using and just know that you have a choice. We can really get into habits of using words where we um, try to be humble by self-deprecating. You know, we take a compliment, we hear a compliment, and then we diminish it. You know, oh, I love that shirt. Oh, this one, I've had it forever. I got it really cheap at Target. You know, <laughs> like, thank you. You know, oh, your hair looks great today. Oh, it's just, it's driving me crazy. I need a haircut. No, thank you. So this is all in this category of being aware and changing your language. There's all these habits going on. And the way you take a compliment, yeah, it could affect your horsemanship because it's a habit, a habit of disempowerment. All right, step three. <laughs> eliminate the, in quotes, empowerment uh, quotes. So eliminate the empowerment quotes that aim to dominate others. So I mentioned this before. It's Empowerment is not about being more than and having other people be less than. And there are lots of memes and quotes out there uh, that do this. So you probably know the ones I'm talking about. So these are the, you know, quote unquote empowerment statements, but they're basically saying, I'm powerful. It's just that everybody else is too stupid to notice. <laughs> Something along those lines. Now, where do you see these kind of quotes being shared? Uh, you'll see this um, on, people will speak like that or share things like that. Like on, on Facebook, for example, if somebody's just got broken up with, you know, a relationship gone wrong, or you're feeling disappointed by others, um, because somebody else let you down and I should put that in air quotes too, because being let down is, is a matter of your own expectations, but you want to be careful. It's like, I'm just, I'm the best. It's just that nobody else, you know, um, they're, they're weak. That's why they don't like my power, you know, things like that. So in my opinion, watch out for those. 
you the tendency is to find comfort in those quotes, but uh, they're not really empowering. They're kind of passive aggressively mean to others, and it's mean to yourself. Because the hidden message to yourself is the only way is that the only way for you to be okay is by making someone else less than, which is actually an insult to yourself and your your subconscious knows it. So when you surround yourself with or use quotes like that or thoughts like that, you're actually disempowering yourself. So the solution is to make sure you're taking full responsibility for your role in whatever situation you're in. That is true acknowledgement of your own power. And I'm sure you can think of versions of quotes like that to do with horse relationships too. <laughs> right? So uh, I know that one might be a little bit weird and subtle, but I, I think you probably... Uh, I think you get it. All right. Step four. <laughs> step four is to fully admit when you feel disempowered. There is power in admitting the truth. The truth shall set you free. So admitting that you feel disempowered does not mean that you are disempowered. There's another paradox. Admitting how you feel is telling the truth to yourself. And once you know you're disempowered, then later you can get to the business of figuring out why you feel that way. But sometimes acknowledging our truth is enough. So there's power in realizing when you feel disempowered. So some of my own personal most empowering breakthroughs have come from simply facing and stating out loud when I'm really feeling in the moment. And you don't have to say it to anybody else. Just saying it out loud to yourself is often enough. I feel small. I feel sad. I feel like a failure. I feel hurt. It's okay. It's the truth. It's, it's the emotion that you're experiencing in the moment. And here's the thing. It's not you. It's just something you're experiencing. Just because you feel small doesn't mean you are small. Just because you feel sad doesn't mean you are a sad person. Just because you feel like a failure doesn't mean you are a failure. Just because you feel hurt doesn't mean you are hurt. And I promise, if you are able to strongly express what you're feeling out loud, and if you're able to commit to it and just keep saying it out loud, over and over and over again, like just, just jump in and swim in that pool of whatever it is that you're in. Cause you're in it. <laughs> Might as well admit it. Do it with intensity. And after a couple minutes, you'll feel more empowered. And so I think this is different than wallowing. It's separating yourself. It's you've in just by saying, I feel sad. You've already separated yourself one degree from the emotion. It's you experiencing an emotion. And that's empowering. I am not sad, but I can say I'm feeling sad. And I, I um, spoke with, actually we have a video in my video classroom 
uh, and I, it's with a, a person who works with families and relationships. And this is something she recommended. It's like, if whatever you feel, just feel it, state it, get it out. You know, it's not about venting or dumping on other people. This is something to do by yourself. But you can't, and I read somewhere else that you can't, the, the human body can't sustain. I think I said this in the frustration episode. You can't sustain things for more than, you know, a, a very short time. Somebody, I think, said like a, a minute and a half or something. So the, the quicker you go through the whole process, the better. That's what's going to help you feel empowered. And so step five is to celebrate. Celebrate when you empower yourself with the truth. Yeah, celebrate. So I feel sad. Let's celebrate. <laughs> you don't have to celebrate that you're feeling hurt, but you can celebrate owning the truth that you are feeling hurt. You know, woohoo, I figured out what I'm feeling. <laughs> and I figured out it's not me. I'm just feeling some stuff. I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling doubtful. I'm feeling unsure. That's good to know. You know, I, this happens with students all the time. So this is not like a psychology class on how to live your life. This is what I come up, you know, this is what comes up in lessons all the time. I feel unsure. I feel like I'm, I'm uh, a little afraid to make a commitment on what number of energy my horse has. You know, this is all in the same line. So if we get in these habits, then we don't get we don't get dug down in the hole. We don't get hidden behind those walls where we can't see a way out. So this is a huge step in being honest with ourselves. And through that vulnerability comes the power. All right, step six. We want to notice and turn around that sneaky disempowering language. So this, when I first sat down to write the blog on this, this is the subject I really wanted to talk about, but we needed the other parts ahead of time. So sneaky disempowering language can really sabotage you and you won't even know it's happening. It makes you think you're being good to yourself. So one of the most common sneaky disempowerments is the I'll try trap. I'll try. And it's, it's a trap when the word try is actually code for, I know it's not going to happen. I just don't want to admit it right now. So here's the example for that. You invite someone to your house for a party. You really want them to come. You really want them to be there. They go, I'll try to make it. And what they're really saying is, I know it's not going to happen, but I don't want to tell you that because it'll make you sad. <laughs> so that's, you know, you think you're being nice, but it's actually quite disempowering. It's disempowering to yourself to just say, hey, you know, I really don't, I'd love to, but I really don't think I, I can make it. I'll let you know if something changes and I can. And it's, it's disempowering because it's, you're not, it's kind of insulting to the person that you say that to, because you're saying you can't handle it. <laughs> if I'm not coming, you can't handle it. Of course you can handle it. And if they can't, it's not your problem. So again, it's, it's that standing in your own power. 
And I like to use examples away from horses because we can kind of get it and then you can apply it to your learning. So watch out for statements like that when you're using, you know, we want to try. And with horses, this word try comes up, you know, reward the, sm the slightest try with our horse. But even with horses, there's a difference between a horse trying, like you ask for a lot, and they give you a little and more like, well, I have to reward the slightest try. That There's a big difference between that, in which case you actually might be rewarding, um, I don't know, half, very half-hearted, <laughs> minimal efforts. And we're going to set you up to always have to have a ton of aids on to get a little result. So my, my interpretation of rewarding the slightest try... Well, there's two, there's two form, uh, situations for it. If I'm teaching something for the first time, the slightest try is when the horse commits to doing something that's in the direction of the answer. So before they get it all the way perfect, they're going to head in that direction, right? And I'm going to reward when they're heading in that direction, like the warmer, colder game. Oop, yep, like that. So it's not perfect, but I'm rewarding them making a decision and committing to an effort that's in the right direction. Um, the other the other way that um, a horse can try, or that I think about the word try with horses, is um, when, I, when I reward as soon as I sense full commitment to the response, the desired response. So rewarding the slightest try means kind of that you can reward like a, eh, you know, <laughs> kind of effort. Well, that was a, that was a slight try, <laughs> which might not be so ideal or um, very quickly rewarding the first moment that you feel a full commitment from the horse. So as soon as they start to do it, then I can reward the earliest part. So in my land, I, I say, ask your horse, would you do this? And as soon as you know that the horse is like, yes, I would, you don't always have to make them follow through. You could go, oh, I feel it. I feel you would. And that's for dressage. We need that. We need a collected trot that feels like they would extend if we asked and they would collect even more if we asked and they would go sideways. That's, that's what we're always aiming for is the middle that feeling of they would if we asked, that potential energy. So that kind of try, yeah, that's what I mean about rewarding the slightest try. But that's very different than saying, you know, will you come help me with this? And someone going, yeah, I'll try to make it over there. When you know darn well, that means that they're not going to come. So watch that word try and watch how you're using it. That's a very sneaky um, disempowerment. Now the other one is around um, um, time. So uh, I'm really hoping I get to do that or I wish I could but I just don't have the time. So the universe listens and it conspires to create the reality you ask for. So don't be a hoping person. The universe will leave you with something you always need to hope for instead of have. I hope I get to do that. I wish I could, but I don't have the time. 
So hope can sound nice, and yeah, it's a convenient word to use. I hope you're getting a lot out of this out of this episode, right? Um, but actually, that's not really true. I don't have to hope. You know, I'm sharing something that I've learned. I'm radiating it out to you. My work is done, and so I feel really happy. <laughs> and this feeling of happiness and love that I get is from my act of sharing this with you. What you do with it is up to you. It doesn't really affect me. <laughs> and yet that doesn't mean that I don't care. I really want you. I am working hard here so that you get something out of this. So, you know, the sneaky dark side of hoping is victimhood and lack of responsibility. So do hope, but don't hide behind it. Hope the best for others and hope for yourself when it comes to things you truly can't control. I hope I win the lottery. <laughs> I hope my leg heals in time. You know, but for everything else, make it happen. Do your best or admit you're not going to make it happen. And, and remember that it's okay to do your best and still not achieve it. So if you find yourself using try and hope a lot, like check in that you're not secretly afraid of failure or secretly afraid of what someone else might think. Make sure you're not saying hope and try as a way to let yourself off the hook in advance. So instead, you know, do your best, go for it and love yourself no matter what the outcome. That's an empowered state. And this is what I call being committed, but not attached. You know, so there's a difference between going, I'm going to try to come over and help you. Even though I know I'm not, I just don't want to say it and I want to be nice because I don't think you can handle it. <laughs> right. And someone and having the intention of, yeah, I do want to help you. So yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there knowing that if something happens and you can't make it there, you'll call them and go, you know, what? I'm, I did my best, but it's just not going to work out today. That's okay. So even more sneaky than hoping and wishing is not having time. I don't have time. I hope I have time for that. Well, the news flashes, everyone has the same amount of time in the day and the same amount of time goes by if we do nothing or run 10 companies and have a family of eight. So what we do with the time is a choice. I know that doesn't always feel like it in one particular moment, but ultimately it is. So I don't have time means I'm choosing not to make time. So <laughs> you can tell other people you don't have time if you must. It is, it's again, it's another nice way of saying, you know, no. <laughs> A lot of times when we say I don't have time, it means it, what we really mean is I don't want to do that. And I'm going to use time as an excuse. So sometimes we do that socially. But don't tell it to yourself. You got to be more honest with yourself than that. So simply admitting the truth that right now you are choosing how you spend your time can be incredibly empowering. I mean, there might be perfectly valid reasons why you would choose not to put more time into your horse, or there may be some disempowering reasons, and that's for you to figure out. 
So instead of, I don't have time to ride my horse enough, you could say, right now I'm choosing not to set that time aside to ride my horse. And I don't know how to... I don't know how to get more time to do it. That's fantastic. Go back to step five. Celebrate that truth that you realize that you've just not made your horse a priority. And we have uh, the podcast I did recently with Dr. Sarah Rife Hecking. You can go back and look at about how to make more time for your horses. And there's also a video in the classroom about sacred horse time. So... Don't get caught in a double double disempowering statement of, I hope I get more time so I can ride my horse more. <laughs> you will never get any more time than anyone else in the world gets. And that sentence, I hope I get more time so I can ride my horse more, is based on an assumption that the only way to ride your horse more is if someone else gives you more time, which is impossible. So after you can fully acknowledge the problem of not knowing how to make more time to ride your horse, then you can transition to the statement, I'm going to figure out how to make more time on my calendar for my horse education. Or I'm going to figure out how to maximize the time that I have for my horse education. So again, it's all about just stating what is and not trying to smooth it over or make it softer for somebody else to hear or make it softer for your own self to hear. It's just like, hey, this is what's happening. How can I figure it out? And so step seven is to live in the power <laughs> is to live in the paradox of empowerment. And that empowerment is that your biggest power comes from the smallest moments, from the words you choose in your sentences. It comes from knowing your emptiness while practicing your infinite radiance. And it comes from knowing your power fully without needing it to be measured in relationship to anyone else. So go ahead and walk across those coals or climb that mountain, but know that you don't actually need any of those things to be empowered. Simply eliminating those sneaky, disempowering habits and changing your language and your thoughts and realizing just what is and being okay with what it is and who you are in this moment exactly as you are. That's what keeps you empowered. You know, those epic experiences that I've had in my life have always led me back to the same me that I've always been knowing something I already knew, but somehow I had temporarily forgotten or was afraid to admit. And that thing is that I'm pretty awesome right now in my own way, exactly as I am. And you know what? So are you. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Until next time, 
love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.